couldn't believe my feet froze from the street I'm high but I'm feeling Well, so happy new year you guys happy new year Good <laughs> well thank you guys so much for taking the time to do this i appreciate it of course we love it so uh i gotta ask uh what did you, what did santa bring you guys for christmas <laughs> i got some books that i've been wanting to read um one of them is this book called Braiding Sweetgrass, and it's about indigenous healing with plants. And then I also got Flea's um, memoir, which is what I'm reading right now. <laughs> it's so good. He's he's so passionate. It's really inspiring. Grace, what did you get for Christmas? Uh, I treated myself to some new shoes, and uh, my mom said that well she's like she got me some shoes as well and then I needed some new running shoes so I still have to go get those um it's a shoe Christmas it's a shoe Christmas because my I I usually try to like curb the shoe system and get like bad shoes so I don't have to actually spend money and get good shoes but then I realized like two months down the line they're all broken and like super smelly I think this is like finally I just need to really drop some money and get some actual good shoes. So it's been shoesy. Um and also just like a bunch of like knickknacks and little like trinkets because I love those things. So like my brother got me some and some friends and it was it was pretty good. It was very nice. I have to tell you, so like I said, I've been, I've been doing this for a while. You know, over the years, I've gotten to meet some of my like favorite artists. You know, after a while, it's like like I get so used to talking to people that I'm just like, oh, cool. I'm talking to Megadeth. This is cool. Yeah. Okay. You guys were the first band that I've seen in a long time where like it was a new band for me. The first time I'm seeing you live and I was like fanboying the fuck out. Like, <laughs> and after your show on the on the 29th, I was literally standing by the backstage entrance and I was like so nervous. I was like, okay, I was like, I'm, okay, so I've got to plan what I'm going to say to him and tell him how much I love the music and everything. The first thing I do, Grace comes out. I'm like, Maggie, I love you. And, and she was like, I'm great. I'm like, I know who you are. I just got the, yeah. and it was like, I was so tongue tied and just like, it was a cool feeling to be, like I said, 49 years old and into a band that all of a sudden I was like, wow, like I'm a fan. This is, wow. you kind of forget that feeling. And um, yeah, 
I, yeah, that first of all is such an honor. And second of all, definitely used to feel that way a lot. And once the pandemic started happening, I kind of obviously stopped going to shows. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I haven't been to a show since where I've had that feeling. But definitely when we were in high school, we would like track people down and meet them. <laughs> They're our favorite musicians. Oh, yeah. Do you think it's, I mean, do you think that that comes from just being a passionate fan of music? Because I know for me, it was more like, like I didn't want to stalk a band or artist to just get like a signature. Like I wanted to tell them your music moves me. This is what you, you know, you're, you've been kind of a part of my life soundtrack or whatever. And, and try to talk to them like a normal person, which is what I do in interviews. But, you know, like I said, as crazy, it sounds like when I saw you guys and I met you guys after the show, I was like, this is the first time in, a long time that I'm meeting a band that I'm just like, ah, I'm a fan, you know? <laughs> yeah, it yeah, definitely comes from being a passionate fan. And yeah, we <laughs> used to do that so much when we were younger. I like always think of Twin Peaks mm-hmm. comes to mind. Like we like that was like that was our band. Our that was our band. Like that 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 made us. That was one of the bands that made us start <clears throat> our band together. Mm-hmm. um because of the music but also because of uh like the the live shows and we didn't even see any shows until we were like a year in to being their fan or so I don't something like that because it was always like 18 and up shows and we were like 15 or 16 and um I think yeah we just we never even were like oh we want to get like a picture or something we were like we just want to talk to them and be yeah. like so this one song that you guys have mm-hmm. on the album that you never play live blah 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 or like talk to them about touring or like also I felt like 14 <laughs> and I was so so into them and just wanted to talk and stuff and it's yeah but it's definitely a strange like I think when you're that young talking to other bands that are like a little older especially that are like men sometimes it's you're like, I just want to talk to you. But then also there's like a bunch of other people who are also wanting to talk to you who are also mm-hmm. like my age. And I feel like sometimes, I don't know, I, I always felt a little like, I don't know. You know what I'm trying silly. to say? Sometimes I, it, I, feels it feels silly. goofy. But yeah, yeah, as long as you're not worshiping like the person, which obviously when you're 16, you're probably worshiping the person. That oh, makes definitely. The music. Yeah. But like, yeah, as oh, time yeah. has gone on, like, we've definitely met or, like, ran into at, like, other, like, festivals or, like, gotten to see shows of bands that we really, really loved. Yeah. And, like, it's kind of weird when you're meeting them or you have mutual friends or something because you're, like, oh, I'm just, like, chilling with this person and I want But, them- like, they don't know <laughs> that I've been chilling with their music for so long and, yeah. like, yelling at the top of my lungs, like, all these yeah. songs and, like, talking about, like, their But I always tell... And- Grace that it's best like I'm always just wanting to go be up front and be like I've listened to your music for five years and I love it like just being straight up about it because then it makes it less like you don't want to hide that you like something you know yeah like my wife always jokes around and says that like I'm the oldest 16 year old she knows you know like when I get passionate about a band or like you know an album or something like especially if it's a band like if I love that band you know all of a sudden like I want all the demos I want the bootlegs mm-hmm. I, I I want the, the the YouTube rabbit hole you know everything yeah. 
And I, and I just remember when I was gearing up to go to the show, um, to your show, um, my wife was like, you are so excited. Like I can tell. And I'm like, yeah. And she goes, just don't be creepy. Like, she's like, I think you forget what you look like sometimes. And she was like, she's like, and she was like, don't get me wrong. She's like, I love you. But she was like, if you're going to approach like a band, like, like this band, she was like, just don't be creepy. I'm like, like, so it's like, I don't even try, but it's like, also it's like, oh my God, I like, I love your band, you know? And all of a sudden people are just like, wow, dude, you're fucking weird. You look like lucky, you know, or like. I didn't think. Oh, <laughs> being a musician myself, like I can't think of a, you know, a higher compliment or, or, or a validation for, for your art than when somebody says that your music or something has moved them in one way or another. And being an older music fan, like, you know, Lunar Vacations music really hit a chord with me because it was such a time warp back to this awkward years in high school and making mixtapes for the girl I liked that wouldn't even talk to me. Do you know what I mean? And (laughs) do you hear similar things like that from older people? Yes, for sure. Yeah, it's definitely... Something we hear a lot, like, um, I think that's why we, we've been playing a lot of shows with bands recently that have been more on like the emo side or just like super intense emo. And we're like, this is so interesting that we're put in with these bands because we're like, oh, we're pop. But then we like look at our lyrics and like really listen again. And we're like, this is so emo. And this makes so much sense why like people group us in with these people because like all the songs are written not all of them but most of the songs I don't know I guess like 2016 17 18 that was when we were in high school and like all those lyrics are so honest and raw because that's like before you even start to overthink about like am I being uh like too blunt with what I'm saying do I need to like make up more metaphors or like try to make it sound more palatable other than just saying like I am sad but then like there's kind of a nice rawness in that because like when everyone was 15 and 16 like you're not really thinking about what the most beautiful way you can express your feelings Mm -hmm. is you're kind of just like anything that I can do to like get it out quickly and like make it feel better you're gonna do it so I guess like And even now still that like, obviously we're out of high school and we're like 22, almost 23. Like, I think the way that I write and the way that we all make music, sorry, my cat just jumped up. Is that science? (laughs) It's science. Oh, I love, I love that you have a cat named science. (laughs) Yeah, he's, he's my genius. And Maggie crocheted him this little like neck thing. It looks like lettuce. I love him so much. <laughs> I didn't know to come down. Come here. Come here, buddy. <laughs> You're a star, man. I love it. <laughs> oh, that's it. Hey, it's all right. My dog. <laughs> you know what? This isn't video interview anyway. It's just audio. But I totally want to use this as like the screen cap of the, the preview picture <laughs> of, of, of this interview. <laughs> that was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> crazy 
Uh, okay, but, I'm so but, sorry. Continue. Oh, that was awesome. I get his chocolate starfish. Amazing. But, uh, uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, like not every, like I said, like, especially at those awkward times of being young, like not everybody can write or, or, or mm-hmm. translate their feelings, their emotions to, to words. And mm-hmm. Grace, I saw, I was reading an interview with you and you you were talking about how you felt like, you know, the lyrics that you had written were kind of emo or youngish and like that you felt like you were kind of growing forward. But again, as a music fan who who still likes to like be very nostalgic and go back and listen to some of the older music that I listened to, I feel like lyrically your stuff is going to hold up for a long time because as long as there's somebody who is, you know, falling in love or out of love or feeling confused or whatever, like those, those are themes that are going to, you know, that last and probably even last for you guys as you get older. So. Oh yeah, definitely. Especially our first EP, like last year we played so many shows, like the most shows we've ever played in a year. And we were playing this song called Swell a lot, which is like, Gap wrote that, I mean, in 16? Yeah, we were like 16. Or, yeah, we were definitely like freshly 16. And the like this year, I was just like, man, these lyrics are actually crazy. Like, they really are hitting right now. And like, you play these songs so many times that sometimes you just tune out and you're on like autopilot you know, if you're having a a weird night or something, you're just kind of like lost in it, but really like hearing Gep sing those and then hearing the audience sing it too. You're like, wow, this is, this is some quality stuff. (laughs) Very quality stuff. It says a lot that you can look at your own material and feel that way because even as writers, we're our, we're our own harshest critics, you know? Yeah. But if you're not going to be connected to the stuff that you're playing, like you can't expect your audience to feel that connection either. Definitely. Yeah. That's also been a big topic of conversation this year because we've had a lot of like, like this summer we were playing like hour and 15 minute sets, like at our headline shows. And then at the openings, like when we're opening for people, we're doing like 30 minutes, sometimes even 25 minutes. So choosing from like the catalog of songs we have, there's some songs that like some people feel more connected to and some people don't. And definitely it's like, it's hard to strike a balance of like, oh, like a lot of people really, really want to hear this song because it's one of our more popular songs, but like, I don't feel very connected to it. And I'd rather play another song that I feel more connected to, Mm -hmm. but then so it's definitely like a balance and I still feel like I personally haven't figured that out yet of like, should we play the song because people are going to have a good time, even if I don't, or I just need to push through and find a way to have a good time with this song that maybe like, I don't have the best like memories connected to it or something. So that's been, um, there's definitely some songs in our catalog that a lot of us are just like, no, we never need to play this again. Well, there's a lot of songs that none of us like, actually got a hand in making that much because we had like when we were younger in high school we had another uh band member in our band 
And basically, <clears throat> we we were playing a lot of shows at the time. And the way that we would approach writing music was we needed to record and write like a few more songs just so we can have more material out so we can play more shows. And like that was always like it was it was kind of like backwards, I guess, to how we view things now about like, oh, let's spend more time on the songs. Let's spend more time doing uh, the recording, figuring it out and then play shows when all of them are solidified. But when we were younger, we just wanted to like have fun and play shows and play two shows a week or whatever. And so the recording and writing was always secondary. So th- like something like artificial flavors, um, there are some good moments and good parts on those on that EP, but none of us are really that emotionally connected to it. Um, just because we didn't even really get a hand in recording any of it because it was something like, Oh, well we recorded it, but then, uh, we came back and it was recorded over because like, we weren't like on beat enough or something like little things like that, that basically none of us really are like, Oh, I feel so connected to this, you know? And I feel like lyrically also, I felt probably probably like a lot of pressure to make it more like sounds more sophisticated than what I actually was trying to say. Um, so I think it's definitely like it, that EP in particular where all of us are like have like weird mixed feelings towards. Mm-hmm. Um, but honestly that just helped us become better writers for the future. Cause now like we're all super intentional about like what we're making and what we're writing and like how everyone feels about what we're writing as well. Um, but yeah, that's definitely an issue because a song like The Basement, it's like a great song and it's super fun. Um, and crowds usually and crowds love, love it, it and it's like super fun to play. But like, I don't know, it was just like all of us weren't really connected on making that song. Whereas the album, it's like all five of us, like you can like feel it that all of us like had a hand in doing it. And like mm-hmm. when we play it, it's like it's a whole group effort. It's like a, it's like all of us are really trying to create something in the space that we're in but it was just not the same for that second ep and that's the yeah that's just the only little wild card that's a little we're still trying to repair our relationship with that ep yeah so well you know because it's 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 interesting because i feel like sometimes you know especially a a fan or a listener like that doesn't always translate because you know if you don't know what's if you don't know the lineage or like you know how things fell into place or didn't fall into place you don't always get that but what i did get out of listening to you know like artificial flavors versus you know inside every fig is that growth like there was that growth and and listening to it i feel that that's that connection because with the album there's a lot more musical maturity also. Yeah. But it also, I mean, and I'm sure you've heard this a lot, but like I heard so many elements of like, you know, Nico Case, uh, mm-hmm. the Go-Go's, uh, Pylon, um, you know, even in, I mean, there's even some like cool little psychedelic elements yeah. of like, you know, Pink Floyd guitar sounds and like Billy yeah. Corrigan style guitar playing and, you know, yeah. and but the thing that I have the hardest time with with a lot of bands is that some bands riff on one thing, you know what I mean? And they're like, you know, we're, you know, we want to sound like 
diet Black Sabbath or we want to sound like, <laughs> you, know, you know, like great value uh, Juliana Hatfield or whatever, you know, but like I hear all of the elements of these influences, but you've combined them to create your own sound. And yeah. Was that kind of a hard thing to do or was that like a conscious thing where you were just like, we don't want to sound like one band, but we want to put all of our influences in there so that it connects with people. Yeah. Well, first of all, all those influences you named, influences you named, as like, that's such an honor to be compared to someone like Nico Case or like Pylon, because those are people that I grew up listening to. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think because there's five of us and we're all like, you know, we were... We're lit. Some of them, like Mateo's, like a little bit older than me, and Gap, and Ben is a little bit younger than us. We're just coming from like a lot of different places and a lot of different musical backgrounds. Like I grew up listening to a lot of like '80s Athens music because that's what my dad would play. Whereas Gap grew up listening to like what 2000s pop. Yeah, because my parents like were not. They're not in the music. None of my family is. So that like covered it was like I was really into watching Disney Channel as a kid. And they have the best musicals and they have the best like Disney stars coming out. So like the Jonas Brothers were definitely like my yeah. first loves. And honestly, like this year I'm rediscovering their music and they're so fucking good. And like no one talks about how amazing of songwriters they are. Like literally, they're amazing. And they're they so, write, they write and play. They write and play song. everything, and they also helped Demi Lovato make like her, I think, second or first, I don't know, whatever record. And it's so incredible. Um, yeah. But anyway, but yeah, it's interesting you say that. Like, we definitely that album. We don't really harp on one thing as much because we were kind of in like a state of repair when we were making it. Um, it was our first it was our first big project after we had like band member changes and it was during the pandemic. It was in 2020. So we were just kind of like learning how to collaborate again in a different way and in a more engaging way where it used to be more of a streamlined process. Um, And we kind of used a formula like on artificial flavors, but this one we were, everyone was trying like, you know, sometimes Connor would play bass or sometimes Grace would play bass or sometimes Ben would play bass. And like, I think it's kind of like a grab bag of textures and yeah. and influences. And we definitely were very, I think, coy coming into making that album mm-hmm. and coming out of it. We definitely were a stronger band. Um, like we were thinking about even stopping making music before we made that album. And so it definitely saved us in a way, uh, just like learning how to work together in a new way. Yeah. But I don't think we were like, like you said, like how people are like diet Black Sabbath or something. I don't think we were sure enough of ourselves and of our band to have that distinctive a sound. (laughs) So I think we kind of had to make something that was a little bit all over the place. Well, because like even now, like, we since we have five different people kind of like five cooks in the kitchen type thing like mm-hmm. we're not always on the same page yeah. of like what right. we want to sound like or what we want an album to sound like like when we were doing our the first the first uh the fig record sorry sorry um like 
there was definitely some parts where I was like, I wanted to sound like this. And then maybe like Connor or Mateo was like, no, I wanted to sound like this. So there's yeah. definitely like bickering or just creative differences that we had to like kind of find a middle ground on. Whereas before we never had to do that because again, like it was usually just like me writing and then like one other person or something like it was not really a collaborative thing. Mm -hmm. Um, but this, yeah, it was the first time we were all collaborative. So it was like, it makes sense that it, cause like, I don't think we could all even agree on like, Oh, let's like try to be like always, you know, the band always, or like the cocktail twins, let's all try to be that. Cause everyone would be like, no, I want to add this or I want to add this. Mm -hmm. So I think that kind of works in our favor sometimes, even though sometimes it is a little, uh, it takes a little work to like get to the final vision where all of us are happy with it. But I think that's definitely in our favor because it doesn't limit us, you know, like it's not like, oh, we all are like obsessed with the same five bands. So everything right. we make is gonna be a copy of them. Like all of us have completely different music tastes too. Um, so it's kind of just like a big, yeah, a big grab bag of, yeah. of stuff. But I will say the one band, like we came from a lot of different influences, but when we were all in high school at the same time, we loved like Tame Impala yeah. and Pun and like very psychedelic music. And I think that's where that little touch of like psych rock comes from in our music is that was the thing that we all super bonded on when we first became friends. And Mac DeMarco, as cringy as it sounds, it was not cringy in 2016. <laughs> he was coming up fun. And I don't even think it's cringy now. I know, but it's everyone's like Mac DeMarco, but guitar-wise, like so many riffs we have were inspired by Mac DeMarco. The unlucky guitar riff is literally yeah. inspired by Blue Boy and Mac DeMarco, <laughs> like that shit. Sometimes I listen back and I'm like, really? <laughs> so, I'm yeah. <laughs> well, that is amazing because one of the things, and this was actually uh, uh, kind of goes into one of the questions that I was going to talk about was that Maggie comes from this more classic influence that her her father uh exposed her to and then you know grace is coming from a more modern uh, uh sound you know um and combined yeah. together i feel like is what kind of creates this great layer you know the layers yeah. of your sound um yeah. have yeah. you guys found that 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 kind of plays off of each other in in your favor yeah, I think I think so. I, I think so. I also think like Grace's melodies are so strong. Like you could put them in any like top 40 pop song and they could hit. And so I think that's my I that's whenever I get worried about our band, I'm always like Grace is going to just like Grace has the chops always to make a catchy melody and that's never something I'm like worried about when we're writing a song. Um so I think it's like everyone else's like instrumental responsibility to make it something that doesn't sound like derivative in pop, you know? Um, but also I will say like Gab comes from like modern influences, but also I you love, love, you love like a lot of like 50s and 60s like crooning music. I love those. And like the Velvet Underground. I love the Velvet Underground. Yeah. So it's like definitely not, I just, I definitely like came, like I figured out pop by myself and then I figured out indie pop when I was 13 or 12 because of Pandora radio. And it was like walk the moon and all of those like indie pop legends, walk the moon, cage the elephant, 
uh, Mike Snow, who else? All these like weird, like whatever, but they were also my kings. So it was also like the pop of that. So I think anything with like a pop melody, but with like some weird indie guitar was really cool. Mm-hmm. But then in high school, it was like that's when we got that's pretentious. When we figured out, that's when we got pretentious, and we were like <laughs> uh, Nirvana and like <laughs> Downgarden and whatever, and like I don't know, just super yeah, super pretentious, super into like we're into the things. real stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> literally, it was like oh, we're into Nirvana. You don't know them, like stuff like that. Um, but I think as a yeah, as I've gotten older, like obviously I appreciate pop, but. I definitely am more into like, um, actually, I don't know. I'm into everything, yeah. but, uh, definitely pop, uh, taught me how to just have really catchy melodies, I think, or mm-hmm. yeah. But sometimes even now though, I've been trying to get myself to do or like create melodies that aren't as repetitive, maybe in like some of our new stuff that we're doing, I'm trying to explore more and not just like repeat the same thing for mm-hmm. four bars or whatever you know what I mean um yeah but it's 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 good because I feel like yeah everyone else in the band has like a really cool grasp on some kind of music that I don't mm-hmm. yet um it's like I feel like yeah definitely like Ben is like the um electronic electronic shit it's like i haven't like there's all these different worlds that everyone else is like fully immersed in that i don't know if i have yet Mm -hmm. um and i think that's what's exciting because everything like all of these bits come out when we're all making music together right and that's how we good stuff so it's like if like we're just noodling around or like recording and then maggie does like a crazy riff then everyone's like how did you even do that you know it's like i think all of us look at each other in that way of like if someone does something it's like how did you even do that like yeah that's crazy but it's just because we have we're in our own little bubbles you know and when someone said that to me like how do you even do that i'm like i feel like i'm just copying like peter buck right now like i (laughs) But of course, like if you don't listen to like REM as much, it's yeah. I'm not like, oh, that's an REM ripoff right there. Because <laughs> I don't know REM as much as Maggie. You're like, I don't know, like Red Hot Chili Peppers are cool, but I'm not like Anthony Hughes. Like I don't know them. You know? <laughs> so that's yeah. what's cool because I'm not like mm, ripoff or like yeah, yeah, you know. So in the early '90s, I played in a uh, a punk metal band, and one of the things so like our 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 like three favorite bands were like Iron Maiden and the Ramones and Motorhead and we were not good enough to actually play i mean i mean we were barely good enough to play the Ramones you know so but <laughs> One of the things we always, I always used to look back on that and say, you know, music limitations is what saved me from actually ever True. being pinned as like, oh, you sound like so-and-so because we yeah. were fucking terrible. Like we were not, we were like the worst band in Atlanta, I'm convinced, but <laughs> people would come see us because we had these ridiculous songs and we were loud and heavy, but like just kind of all over the place so we knew our limitations but we also had yeah. our influences and, yeah. and you guys yeah. are fucking incredible musicians but do you kind of feel that same way though that you're like maybe maybe the a limitation keeps you from going all the way 
Yeah, Thank definitely. Like, if I could play, like recently, because I'm reading Flea's book, I've been listening to Red Hot Chili Peppers again, which is what I listened to when I was like nine. And I'm really listening to the guitar parts now. And I'm like, fuck, like John Frusciante is an insane guitarist. And if I could play like that, then we could, then I would just be like, I wish I could play like that. But also, I don't want to just like copy someone. And I mean, there's so many bands out there now that like anyone can make music and put it out, which is amazing. But also there's just so many bands that sound exactly like other bands that are their exact same age. Mm -hmm. And like, it's just not exciting. So I'm, I'm, (laughs) I'm, I'm, Sad, I can't play like John Frusciante, but also I'm happy for the sake of our music because yeah, I don't want it to sound like a ripoff. And like if if Gap could only play like Mac DeMarco, then we would just sound like a Mac. DeMarco or like had ripoff. pipes like fucking Ariana Grande. Yeah. Like it would just be runs. Yeah, know, but it's good that I can't. <laughs> so I, I right like the limitations. Having the influence is good because you have something to strive for and like something to learn from. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm convinced that the only reason I have any sort of style on guitar is because I just learned a bunch of Kurt Vile songs when I was in high school. And, like, I just, that's all I would play. And I would only play in his tunings and stuff. And that's how I learned a lot about the guitar is by learning his songs. Um, But I can't play exactly like him, which is good, because then it would just be a rip. And, like, Mm -hmm. that limitation, like, kind of forces you to figure out your own thing. And again, it kind of goes back to how that that shows through the music. And as a music fan myself, it's exciting, you know, when you Mm -hmm. hear somebody who's just like, wow, this sounds like everything I like, not just like one thing. Yeah. And it's like, but I didn't lead with this, but I, I was trying to find a way to segue into this story, but like there's so much music. It's almost like for the rest of our lives, we're going to be discovering things that we're like, this is so amazing. And I served on jury duty for a week (laughs) with Maggie's mom. (laughs) And like my biggest nightmare as a writer is when someone says, Oh, you should check out so-and-so's band. And she, Maggie's mom is like, you should check out my daughter's band lunar vacation. And I was just like, Oh my God, it's Monday. Like, this is like, oh my God. I was like, how I can't get out of this, you know? And when I was like, okay, I'll listen to him on the way home. And when I listened to the album, it reminded me that, like, wow, you're never too old to discover a new favorite band. You should put your mom on the fucking payroll, by the way. Like, cause that. <laughs> I know she I told her we were doing this and she's like tell Don I said hi oh and she's like by the way I didn't ask him to write a review he did that on his own I was like, oh. um yeah she's a legend she's so supportive she's great yeah I don't know if you hear too many stories about your mom turning people onto your band during jury duty but hey you know that's <laughs> it's something for your bio I guess <laughs> yeah definitely <laughs> But it was, but it, it really was. It was one of those things where I, it, it was such a good reminder to me about discovering new music. And the other thing, I was just like, I am so excited to eat edibles and listen to this album. Like, <laughs> it is one of my favorite albums 
to get high to. I love it. That is so touching. That is so touching. Not a lot of people would take that as a compliment. I don't know why, but like, but like, I was just like, it's an immersive experience, you know? And so part of the strength to me of the album was the sequencing of the songs. Yeah. Yes. We spent a lot of, a lot of time like sitting in the studio, lights off blasting like the speakers blasting all of the songs and we we're just sitting there and we we're like okay 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 and like adding sequencing and everything and like that yeah. is one that we were like we've never like that i'm still to this day i don't think like i i think we chose like the best yeah and we sure. definitely because we wrote so much of the album in the studio we were able to write parts that went into different songs and we also like i'm very proud of like the side a and side b because we thought about it as a record Record too like Like, side a is all like more light and like exciting and like new whatever and then side b is the more like heavier or just like emotional topics but also emotional big sounds too like Mm -hmm. things like gears or like even like the end of an enemy like that is like crazy and then like the end um the end of an enemy going into but maybe like we were thinking we literally were thinking of sequencing as writing like maggie was saying and so like the end is like a recording from that i took um of the marta on the way home from class like my sophomore <laughs> year thing because i was so upset that day and so i just like took a recording of the marta so i was like this will be useful and then it like goes into the next song but then it's like it's like that marta is literally kind of like the metaphor for going into the last song, but also into like the next chapter of our music, because, but maybe is a very, um, it's like a raw song, you know, and there's not that much built around it, which is kind of cool because it kind of, we, we were thinking like the very last like few seconds of that song is like silence and just like my voice. And it's a cool bridge for like what are we gonna do next like it's kind of like leaving you hanging on uh like a blank slate mm-hmm. and we're because we were like we don't want to be tied to, like when we do our next album we wanted to just be like whatever we want to do mm-hmm. and so it was kind of like we were thinking a lot about things like that you know like oh this is a bridge to this song which is not going to have that many instruments which is going to go into whatever we release next and so it doesn't have to like be tied to like a certain chord or certain sounds, just like the silence and like mm-hmm. the voice and everything. I love that because to me, the quality of the songs is always important, but the sequencing of an album can really make or break it, especially for someone who's got ADHD. I've heard great albums, but like if it seems too jumpy or it can lose me, yeah. you know, and <laughs> That was one of the things I was super impressed with this album was the sequencing because it had such a flow to it. Was it a hard thing to kind of agree on with so many cooks in the kitchen, as Grace said? Yeah, I was think pretty... it was very uh, agreed. Maybe Agreeable. like the middle-ish, like where it gets to like mold and stuff, like the tracks like four, five, six or whatever. Maybe that was a little, yeah. but we always knew like the beginning of the record was going to start with the... Um, Purple Dreams number four because that was the first song I ever made when I was like 15 and it just weirdly perfectly worked out to like go into the same chord as Peddler so like we were all there when we were like what if it like faded in and then just boom like went to the next one because yeah we wanted it to be like when you listen on an album like just listening the entire way through and it's kind of like a story I think after having two EPs and touring (laughs) off of two EPs for so long that didn't really feel like 
they weren't sequenced. They were just like the songs. They were cohesive. Yeah. Um, so after doing that for so long, we were so eager to make like a full body of work, a full project that because we grew up, I mean, like, like I said, in high school, we got really pretentious and we're just like, I'm only listening to vinyl. And we were just obsessed with albums and not just songs, but albums. So it was important to us to do that. And you know, for someone who grew up listening to vinyl, you know, in the 80s and in the 90s and whatever, like to me, the vinyl resurgence was incredible because I loved that newer bands were embracing the whole concept of like, okay, now we're we're on a bigger scale size wise. So now we can have like cool art that is actually going to be cool to yeah. listen to and some packaging and I'm that first night I listened to the album, looking at all the artwork and I'm like reading and I'm just like this. It was so put together, you know, that that was that's an art form that I feel like newer bands aren't aren't always on top of. Yeah. Yeah. That was also really important to us, like having I mean, it's so cool to hold a giant piece of art in your hands and like someone like Leo, he is such a he's the one who leo horton did our art um and get you know holding one of his paintings is kind of hard because his his art's kind of you know what am i looking for it's expensive (laughs) as it should be so the fact that anyone could go in a record store and buy this for 25 bucks is kind of crazy you know and have that big of a piece of his art and that was also important to us to like yeah be able to open it up and read everything as you listen to it and just have it as interactive as possible. Yeah, that's definitely part of the nostalgia piece yeah. that, that that connected. As you can tell, yeah, I'm obviously I'm a freak fan here, you know, but like, but I it, it was one of those things that connected with me in addition to the music was just the presentation because you know, I remember being a kid and laying on my bed and eating little mm. Debbie's and reading lyrics sheets and shit <laughs> like that, you know? And so, you know, it was now I'm sitting in my basement in my home, you know, and reading lyrics and eating little Debbie's, you know, and shit <laughs> like that, you know? So like, I, I love that, uh, the, the presentation of that, but one of the things I did want to kind of go back to what was talking about the pandemic the pandemic actually really affected a lot of artists and musicians in one extreme or the other. Like I I saw it really break musicians and some bands, but then I saw it actually make people really thrive. And I mean, just based on the album, the pandemic kind of sounded like it agreed with you a little bit. Would you say that? Oh yeah, Yeah. I think so. Because like, we I think we had some plans to tour in 2020 and um like we were slowly doing the record like a few songs a month maybe like we because we were still in school so we would like have like a few days and come to the studio try to do some songs and then leave and then come back um and I don't know if like if the pandemic if it didn't happen if we would have been able to like uh break off like three weeks straight and just like record and do the record Mm -hmm. and like also the way because like we literally because it was so bad we all couldn't see anyone either so like we couldn't hang out with anyone and it was it was like a 12 hour work day or maybe sometimes even like 13 hours 
every day. We'd only have one off day for like three weeks. Couldn't see anyone, couldn't really talk to anyone. Um, and that, I think that was like the push to like get all of us closer. Cause also we came out of that actually becoming really, really close friends because even though we were playing together for so long, like Maggie and I were like all like best friends, but we weren't even really close to like the other people in our band in the way that I think like we all wanted to. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think if like the pandemic didn't happen and we just kept like doing a few songs here and there and then touring, I think we would have gotten way more burnt out yeah. than we realized that we were from just like just playing the same, like just touring on eight songs. Like it's just like gets a little, you feel like you're like an imposter because you're like, I wrote those when I was 16. Now I'm like 19. What am I doing? You know what I'm saying? Like things like that. Um, I also think that we like, like Gap said, we wouldn't have the time to shell out three weeks. I also don't think we would have had the motivation because we were so show, like show oriented. Yeah. And we wanted like we were always more excited about like getting a tour and the places we we're going to be able to go and the bands that we could play with rather than like making making the songs that would get us there. And so it definitely forced us to it be, like slowed us down. It yeah. was like you have to chill. Yeah. And you have to like really just focus on making the music because that's all like we yeah. could have done in that point like you just can't tour you can't do anything you know mm-hmm. it definitely was good for our band but I will do want to acknowledge that it was also really hard mentally for probably everybody yeah there's there's a lot of like while we were recording there's it wasn't like a perfect amazing like dream sequence of event like it was like there was a lot of crying there was a lot of like frustration there was just with anything like making anything with a lot of people um also something that's so emotional because like that whole album is like really really intense lyric like lyrically and emotionally so like sometimes just like singing those things like I would have to like leave or like go take a walk or something or like Maggie would come with me and we would just have to like really just try to like recenter because there's a lot of just like I think bringing up anything anything's that anything that was really intense in the past singing about it again even if you're like I'm over it or whatever like still kind of like puts you back in that place and then on top of that where you're like I can't even talk to my like I can't see my friends right now or like I the whole world is kind of like fucked up it's kind of like a lot it felt Mm -hmm. it was definitely really dark I think making that record like looking back obviously it was fun like it was it was great but like mentally I think all of us were kind of a little beaten down actually a lot beaten down it was really yeah. hard but it was beneficial in the end yeah in it retrospect awesome retrospect, awesome in the moment maybe not so <laughs> yeah emotionally taxing but that's why the album feels so cathartic so much emotion was put into this i mean i can totally see that because especially as 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 a songwriter when you're writing songs in a certain part of point of your life every time you perform it it's just a reminder of that specific point whether it be a good point or 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 like maybe not such a great or maybe even somewhat traumatic emotionally or Mm -hmm. whatever yeah and then on top of that I felt like with the pandemic it just magnified everything because a lot of us were just you know kind of forced to be like okay I can't get away from these feelings and these emotions and so I've got to figure out exactly what to do with this. I actually thought that the end result of the album was such a 
it, it was almost, it was very promising. And I say this a lot, especially when I discover when I, when I fall in love with a band is that, you know, Lunar Vacation was, was just the band that I needed right at that particular moment, because, you know, shit was kind of dark. And the fact that the most I'd been around people at that point was a week of jury duty was kind of fucked up. You know what I mean? Like, I was like, this is the most I've been around people. Yeah. And like, I'm on jury yeah. duty. Like, this is kind of harsh, you know, yeah. and, but the music yeah. of, of, of Lunar Vacation was one of those things, was an album that I gravitated to a lot because there was like this optimism to it. Was it yeah. hard to stick to that optimism? Um, honestly, I think it, the realization of the optimism came after we made it because while we were making it, like, yeah, it was really dark and a lot of the things were just like, I think when you're just like doing a vocal take and like you're just saying the words over and over again and then you just hear silence after you're like this is so intense and like kind of crazy but then like actually talking about the lyrics like I think I don't know if it was you or Dan who brought it up Dan's our producer who's also a good friend who like made all of the songs he definitely was like a uh, he and PJ were both like the perfect puzzle pieces to help us make the record I forget who said it but they were like Cause I was like, am I writing too emo? Like, am I being too down about all this stuff? Like, am I just like being too upset? And they're like, no, because like at the end of the songs, there's always kind of like a, uh, like a looking forward type mentality mm-hmm. of like, it'll be fine or like whatever. I don't know. I feel like at the end yeah. of the songs, like, in each song, there's a little piece of like, it'll be fine and this is just like reflecting on all of your bad feelings like nothing is ever that permanent or ever ever that bad and like everything just it all happens for a reason and that's also like the title the title is also a nod to every single song that's in there like how you kind of need the bad to get to the good and that's literally like you need a a wasp to get a fig you know so it's kind Mm -hmm. of like it's all it's all kind of relevant. Mm-hmm. Um, That's the beauty to songwriting, though, because you're in charge of where you want it to go. It's like you're almost sharing your own path with somebody else in the sense that, like, this is what I did to get through this. So, you know, if you can connect with that, cool. If not, that's cool, too. But this is what I did. I mean, it's not like you're fucking Morrissey where, like, everything just sucks, you know? You're just like... Yeah. Like you're, uh, yeah. you're kind of waiting for like some sort of resolve. And then he's just like, mm. yeah, and you're like, yeah, that was kind of a downer. I loved that, that optimism. But at the same time that, again, I know I said this before, but that time warp back for me uh, that I kind of felt like there was some escapism. Yeah. I don't know, maybe not a lot of the younger fans would get that. But being an older fan, the older you get, the more escapism you appreciate where like, OK, this takes me back this takes me out of where I'm at right now and kind of reminds me that like, even when shit sucked when I was 16, that it was a good reminder of how much I loved music. Totally. 16 is such a good age to love music. (laughs) It like just becomes your whole, your whole existence. It's really so pure. It's like the most awkward time to be a human you know, mm-hmm. yeah, and this kind of is a good segue because something that I, I read in an interview with uh, with Grace was that she was talking about how she never felt like that you guys were like part of like the scene, mm-hmm. but that you guys had your own thing that kind yeah. of resonated with me because I, as as a 
music fan in that awkward teen years I wasn't cool and like I wasn't popular like even with the metalheads to me that was a benefit because then you don't have to worry about appeasing other people yeah. or or even trying to validate or explain your musical loves yeah yeah you're not you're not tied down to anything or anyone and I think not feeling super a part of any scene in Atlanta really it was so easy for us and so exciting for us to go on tour and touring has definitely shaped us so much as individuals and as and as artists and I think if we were so attached to Atlanta we probably wouldn't be so eager to to go literally literally every other place but yeah. Atlanta which yeah. no I mean obviously we love it now but I think then we were a little bit like oh, I need to get the fuck out of here let's just go yeah um and that's how we met so many of our our dear friends and yeah, in yeah. different cities yeah yeah I wish I could remember who it was that said it but I remember interviewing somebody one time and they said uh, you know if if you want to make it big you gotta leave home yeah and of course by making it big that was you know that's such a blanket statement but yeah but to really grow as a band or to like not feel like you're like you said tied down to part of a local scene that does give you the wings you know to fly yeah. and to go experience life because there's quite a few bands that I know of who are local bands to their own scene who only made it big outside of their own city. And then when they come back to the yeah. city, people are just like, eh, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think we still get scared to play Atlanta sometimes because there's yeah. this pressure of like, you know, if we play a show in like Denver and like it's half capacity, like it's who cares when yeah. Denver we're leaving the next day or that night. Whereas here, it's like, you know, every single person you know will probably be there. And what if it's not full? And now yeah. it just, like, feels... But now, yeah, I think that's always... We're always going to feel that way. Yeah. Um, you guys did two sold-out shows, like, here mm -hmm. in Atlanta, the 29th and the 30th of December. And it was very obvious that being on the road and being a live band had developed you because... Again, not having seen you live before, I was I was just blown away by the, the the connection of everybody on stage. And I don't think I've seen anybody smile as much as you two on a stage. Like <laughs> it's so cool that you were like not shy about showing your actual emotions, you know, of being yeah. happy and loving what you do. And that resonates with your audience. Yeah. I definitely think like because we started so young. We didn't have time to like develop a stage personality as much. Yeah, we're just like <laughs> the awkwardness of being 16 and 17 just follows you on the stage. <laughs> so you're just like, you don't know how to talk to crowds. You don't know how to like go into a song. I still don't know how to talk to a crowd or go into a song. Well, you but I think you. now, now it has like, now there's more of a maybe like acceptance for whatever you're gonna do yeah not, like a worry of like am I being too awkward or like does this, is this weird or whatever even though I still feel that sometimes actually all the time um but I think it's I don't know I think something Grace has really taught me about just being such good friends is like Grace is not is so forward with her emotions and like 
in a really beautiful way of like you can't if you're feeling something you don't really hide it I think so. that's much um so like translating that to the stage of like if someone says something whack in the audience oh you're God. gonna like wince or if someone's saying something really funny in the audience you're gonna laugh and yeah. like I don't want to pretend like there's wall in between like yeah. anybody like it's just a very communal experience yeah because also like at the end of the day like we're all just people existing together and like everyone's making something when you go to a show it's not just like the band's playing people are watching because it's like the energy feedback is like insane because it's like literally like if the crowd is dead or like not interested sometimes you're gonna get not interested and like not want to play the show because you're like oh they're not liking it and then you start to like feel weird and then they start to feel weird and it's like all this whole back and forth thing um there's definitely like a communal thing which makes it it's like it's not it's like if it's our show like it's not like yeah it's our show but it's not really our show you know what i'm saying it's like as much as like audiences show and like their participation or the way they're like uh taking it in that's like literally Cause like if we've had some Atlanta shows that like are so weird, like we played this Halloween show that was like our album release show that was so fucking weird, and that because <laughs> we we like played Shaky Knees and then like two days later announced the Halloween show that was in like two days, so there wasn't really even like a time to promote it at all. So it was just really fucking strange and like. And we also had a curfew. It was like we, we had, had a curfew. We had to be done by like 10. No, it by like nine. nine. And we only played like 40 minutes of something. And it was just so fucked up. Um, Where the hell did you play that there was a nine o'clock curfew? It was aisle five. Aisle five. They had a DJ. They had night. a DJ set after. <laughs> and I guess since we like uh booked the venue like last minute or something, because they were like one of the only venues that were kind of because this all of it was last minute we're like oh we should play uh album really show let's do this in like a week out or something yeah um so that was fucking weird and that's an example of like oh this is kind of strange so like we don't feel as comfortable up there and like as comfortable being ourselves and then we're not playing the most like authentically or like we probably weren't even like grinning that much I probably didn't smile at all during that show or like there's some shows when we play like that Denver show yeah this Denver show (laughs) over the summer and like the energy was so off and like I wasn't feeling good either and then like someone said something like totally whack in the audience and I just got so pissed and I was like the rest of the gov just looks at me and is like I was like really and then we just played and then like I don't know I was definitely not acting the best and then I saw this is a funny thing I saw something on Twitter um and someone was ranking their concerts of the year and like we were at the very bottom (laughs) I love the openers that they chose. They're my favorite band. Um, but the band itself, like, had no energy and just seemed like they didn't want to be there. And I was like, oh, shit. Yeah. So there's definitely some moments where, like, you don't have sleep or you're playing a show after driving for eight hours and, like, you're just not feeling it. And that's probably that doesn't feel the best because you're tired and you don't but then you're like I don't want to be tired and that's selfish to be tired when I'm like do like living my yeah. dream like I need to put on like the best show I can but sometimes you can't put on the best show because you've been doing it for like two months straight or like someone has like fucking someone's <laughs> coming back from COVID or someone had a concussion or someone broke their arm like just like crazy life stuff you know um but 
going back to what your original point was since the crowd was so like the vibes were so good already in the in uh at the masquerade and like everyone was so excited and happy so like that made us excited and happy and then I feel like we put on a really good like authentic show like I felt like that was like playing in our living room and all of us are feeling good Mm -hmm. and energized like that kind of felt the same way but it's definitely hard sometimes to keep the energy up even though you want to kind of like you said like when uh, musicians play live we're kind of reciprocating what the audience is giving you know and so like they're not giving you a hundred percent you're trying to give a hundred percent but then all of a sudden you're like okay this is exhausting you know yeah I always think of that scene. I don't know if you've ever seen the Blues Brothers movie, um, but oh, there's no this way. scene where they're they open their show and they're pl- and they, I mean they're like balls out, 150 percent like cocaine fueled like show, and the song stops at the end and everyone's just sitting there and they're just like, <laughs> okay. I've yeah. played so many sh- and then because then you go okay, am I just looking stupid or do, yes. I, need, do I need to dial it back? Or does this be like, yeah. fuck you, it's fuck in it. your face, yeah. deal with yeah. it. Finding that balance is hard. Yeah. So I do have to say that, like I said, the live performance was fucking killer. When you guys opened up with Peddler, I screamed like a 14-year-old <laughs> at a Beatles show. There were these two young girls next to me. Like, I startled them. <laughs> That is amazing. <laughs> but that excitement that came through, you know, in, yeah. in, in the performance. And so whatever you guys are doing, keep doing it because it's great. Was it hard for you guys to adjust to actually having fans? Like as opposed to like just like friends, like actually like going out of state, having fans, like wanting to meet you, take pictures, have you sign their shit. Um, sometimes I think at the beginning it was a little strange when like, yeah, there were people that would like cry and then you're just like trying, you're like unloading gear and there's someone crying by the door and you're like, whoa, what is happening right now? Um, but everyone's so nice and no one, I mean, I don't think I've had one, like it's gotten better over the years now. Like it's like now it's chill. Yeah. It used to not be chill sometimes because sometimes people would kind of like like cross a line a little or like but that was also when we were like on Instagram and I think honestly having more of a social media presence like it like hypes yourself up it hypes the lore it hypes the vibe up so it's like everyone's like oh my god and then you like turn on Instagram and then people are like are like oh whatever like which is what we wanted you know like we want people to like be excited about like the music and the songs so there's sometimes people would like come our shows and not know like anything or just like I don't know just like want photos which is weird to even say because we're such a small band but like I guess it happens to some people but it's definitely gotten better and chiller and like, yeah I think we've also gotten better we've and gotten chiller because when you're when you're like 18 and 19 you're like what the fuck you're like <laughs> I don't know what to do like I'm a kid myself I don't really know how to handle anything yeah I'd say 99% of the time everyone's super so cool and, and chill awesome and like they just talk to you like you're they just talk to you you know like yeah this person which is really awesome yeah so we're we're definitely really lucky yeah I don't know if there's any bands out there that have like really annoying fans I know some bands who are like really big and like people will like wait outside their tour bus at like eight in the morning yeah. before a show and that would definitely suck but that doesn't happen now so it's chill yeah <laughs> when I, I met Kelly Hogan who was Nico Case's uh uh backup singer for a while 
before she joined the Decemberists. And one of the things she was telling me, she said that 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 they that Nico Case had had like people or like especially like creep creep dudes like actually camp on the side of their bus, yeah. like waiting for them to come out. And they're just like, that's kind of weird. Like, don't do that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a little like, yeah. You just have to treat people like act like just normal just people. Um, speaking of Nico Case, have you read her Substack? No, not yet. You should. Yeah, so it's like Substack's like a. It's basically like a newsletter, but yeah. she has one called "Entering the Lung," and it's amazing. I read it. She sends one out like every week, I think. But they're really funky and fun to read. She she, she is hilarious. Yeah, she's she's kooky. Yeah, yeah. I, I met her, I met her like in 2003, maybe 2004 or something. And mm-hmm. she was having a conversation with me about like uh, like vintage porno mags and like what she likes to like she's re- her and Kelly Hogan were really into this mat this porno mag from the 70s called leg show which was basically just like wow. women showing their legs and I was just like why are you having this conversation with me like it's so it's weird. like it's like awkwardly awesome but at the same time I'm yeah. like how do I like, even what? react to this like because yeah, like, yeah. oh yeah leg show is my favorite too I I was like, I have no idea what that <laughs> is, you know? Like, it was super awkward, though. But And then uh, one of the things, that, too, you said something yeah. about social media. Are you guys involved firsthand with your social media? Or do you, or does someone take care of it for you? Because I can, t- I can see that other artists have some people doing their social media because it's so distracting from their day-to-day. Yeah. We don't do Twitter. Our manager... Twitter yeah. our manager does Twitter but sometimes like twice a year I'll log on and like say some shit and then log off <laughs> um that's like my just like bi-yearly thing that I'm like hello and then I leave but like I was on our Twitter the other day and like I was like looking at our liked and like our they just like a bunch of stuff I'm like don't like stuff you know you're like this reflects me you know we sold out yeah, I was like, why are you, I was like, why are you liking this tweet about someone selling out a show? Anyway, um, but our Instagram is run by ourselves. Uh, we were definitely more active when we were younger. And it was like a more, it was like a, I feel like we connected to a lot of other bands that way as well. But um, now it's kind of just like too busy for yeah. that, you know, like to keep up the constant posting. But we still do it. Like everything that we post, yeah. like we post. And on, when, like I, I on tour have, on tour I read online Instagram yeah. and like just try to share things because it's so fun but yeah when I'm home I don't want sometimes it just shit. gets too much because then you start like comparing yourself to like like oh this band is getting this it's the same thing as like personal Instagrams where you're like oh like I don't have this or I don't look like this or like someone else is having like the greatest time of their life on tour even though it's like you have no idea like we probably look like we were having the best time on like on our tour when like why I had a concussion yeah. so many things happened we had to cancel shows like all this stuff you know so yeah I think just like trying to like keep up an image of like we are successful we're having fun it takes away from like actually being successful and having fun yeah. or like all it's like the classic meme of like big things soon or like <laughs> big things coming soon you know where it's like 
say that it's a curse and it be, the big things will never come if you're always if you're always like big things are coming um big announcement on monday we're going on tour we have four dates booked and i'm like i know yeah. i know it's like uh the big announcement is the sale for merch or something. For merch. <laughs> like sometimes like we get roped into that and we have to do it um but Honestly, it's just kind of goofy and funny. So I just have to take everything with a grain of salt. Yeah. So don't take any. Yeah. Nothing is, nothing is real on Instagram. Nothing. That sounds like a song title, Grace. You need to run with that one. Nothing is real on Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) Next concept. Yeah. Next album. So what, what's going on with the rest of the year? Do I get to see Lunar Vacation again? in 2020 that is a big old question mark that's a question uh we have one tour uh we're joining this amazing band called rubble bucket in march for like a few days just on the east coast like 10 days um excuse me but what we're really working on right now every day is writing new songs and recording new songs so we um our bassist ben is building a studio with his friend evan and They've been so kind to bring the gear into our house temporarily. So we have like a little studio in our living room. So every day when someone comes home from work, someone's already working on music and people put down parts and it's been really just so relaxed and we're putting a lot more work on the front end um, of the writing, I think, because for the album, we kind of just like, it was a lot of just grace bringing like garage band like one minute demos and we would flush them out in the studio whereas now we're taking those demos and flushing them out into like with ourselves for more yeah more developed demos and then yeah. we're going to take them to a studio which hopefully we will record again this summer hopefully we'll have an album by then but who, who knows? knows and we don't know about we shows at know. all <laughs> yeah. i'm assuming we're going to go on tour again um no, no. But yeah, it's all in there. That's the weird thing about being in a band sometimes is like sometimes you know your schedule for like six months out and sometimes you have no clue. You know nothing. Um, but we've been we've been recording and writing and we just came back from Tennessee with our oh, friends yeah. Megan Hudson. Um they Meg and Hudson, not Megan Hudson. <laughs> we were talking about about that how it sounds like Meg and Hudson or like Hudson and Meg yeah Hudson and Meg (laughs) Um, they directed and shot uh, (laughs) the video for uh gears that we have and so they're cool friends that we have and they uh we um went to Hudson's family's uh farm in Tennessee and shot a video for the song called only you that we have and that's coming out um can you say it? It? No, don't say it. Okay, it's well, that's coming up soon. Okay, <laughs> I don't know what I'm allowed to say or what not to say. But anyway, we just shot a video for that. It's it'll, be, it'll be soon, and so we shot a video for that, and then that's coming out <clears throat> soon. But that's just going to be a standalone single that we have. Um, but yeah, other than that, just writing, and I think we want to try. So once we have like a good handful, I'm trying to get like 20 demos or something. Um. I want to go to like, we're all thinking about going to like Washington and go to Bear Creek, right? Yeah. I mean, that's the dream. That's the dream is to go to Bear Creek in Washington and then record an album in like two weeks or something. But also like we have no money for that. So the next step (laughs) is like trying to get all these demos done and then figuring out a way to go to the right studio with a lot of space 
and go from there. But uh, I don't know, just working. Yeah, we all have part time jobs. We all have part time jobs that we want to quit. So hopefully, sometime we can quit those. <laughs> what do you guys? What do you guys do? I have to ask. Um, I work at a grocery store. What grocery? I work at Trader Joe's. I don't want. I don't know. I work at Trader Joe's, and I kind of love. It. I've met a lot of cool people and definitely a lot of friends, but it's a lot of manual labor. I work at um the Patagonia retail store, like the outdoor clothes, you know. But I also love. It's fun. All of my coworkers are awesome. So well, that's cool though that you have jobs. Obviously, that kind of give you the opportunity to step out when you can and do your your other job which is music yeah 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 totally they're all very like very supportive and understanding like I know like I like people I work with are all like all of them are artists or like musicians are trying to do something else outside of work and so whenever I have to ask off for like two or three weeks they're very supportive and like also they can't like all of my managers one time came to our show at the Fox and that was the craziest thing they were so they were so it was like insane I was like what is happening and they were so excited and acting a little wild um but yeah and then Ben Ben works at a restaurant uh Mateo does Mateo's a potter so he's been working at this pottery place and also tutoring on the side because also mm-hmm. he's super smart and then Connor Connor has like a real he like, has he does coding big boy job of yeah. coding and like he can also like all, like make his hours whenever he wants to so like some days we'll just like go in for two hours and be like all right i'm done for the week which is so nice yeah well you guys have been so great like i really enjoyed talking to you and like i said earlier you guys proved to me that you're never too old to discover a new favorite band and your music means a lot to me and i'm so psyched that you guys took so long to talk to me mouth of the south here <laughs> well thank you so much for having yeah, us this you. has been so it's fun really nice. yeah. and thank you for spending the time to talk to us yeah this yeah. was amazing thank what you. a great way to spend a wednesday morning yeah oh i bet you say that to all the interviewers so <laughs> no. well thank you guys so much virtual hugs yay <laughs>